0: Previously, on The Tony Kornheiser Show. So we had this one other incredible treat, and this was a treat for me. At one point in the locker room area, Cal Ripken is sitting down, and Cal Ripken says, Hi, Tony. Well, that was a wow for me. I mean, Uh I stood at his locker a number of times in my life, but I didn't know there'd be any recognition. And Cal Ripken is... You you are on TV every day. I understand, but I never really think (laughs) of that. I know, Yeah, yeah. I never really think of that. And we begin. David the show. Aldridge moment for Cal Ripken. Well, yeah, I know that guy. <laughs> the Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. All righty then. It's a Monday. It's a holiday. I don't. It's so rare that the July Fourth would fall on a Sunday and make a holiday on Monday. It's disorienting for me. We're doing three shows this week. We'll do Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, we did two each of the last two weeks on Mondays and Tuesdays. and Then I ran away to rehoboth and played some golf for a few days getting progressively worse each day of course because that's my life but i had a really good time so i can get into some of that just watch
1: out for the dizzy spells
0: yeah i'm feeling lightheaded a lot and legs are cramping up it's just old age i think try a banana i hate bananas i hate them so i'm not trying any bananas that's michael's voice nigel is here as well sitting around the table we're getting ready to go back to a studio you have any update on studios
2: no, not yet. Okay. We hope to get some uh, significant work this ready. week. We're yes. getting ready to get yes. back
0: to a studio. Uh, before I open the show, I got this interesting email. My name is Bob Angel, and I graduated from Hewlett. That's my high school, in 1968. My brother Dennis graduated in 1964 and is known for playing the trumpet. I recognize the name Dennis Angel. My younger brother and I won the Battle of the Bands contest. We were They were called the Rockin' Angels on behalf of Hewlett High School and beat out Billy Joel's band. The Lost Souls, who came in second. Let me repeat that sentence. My younger brother and I won the Battle of the Bands contest on behalf of Hewlett High School and beat out Billy Joel's band. Yeah, that Billy Joel, The Lost Souls, who came in second. I also had the same Mr. McGee, driver's ed teacher, who sat in the back seat with his face in the New York Times, chain-smoked, and never told anybody what to do um now i don't know who mr mcgee is when i was there there was mr smiler and mr hall i don't know mr mcgee but he's younger than i i was listening to your radio show when i heard that hilarious story of the car door coming off (laughs) when i realized i probably knew you yeah the car on east rockaway road boom see ya (laughs) there goes the door if that's not enough coincidences i live in reston and rehoboth where i have a townhouse in sawgrass south finally i think it's possible I played tennis with you in North Woodmere Park in the summer of 1977. Now this is very specific. <laughs> yes, it is. This is very specific. I don't know that I was ever a te- played tennis. I played tennis in high school and maybe a little bit afterwards. But camp? by 19 19- and in camp. But by 1977, I don't think I was playing tennis anymore. I don't think so. Off the tour. And while I know where North Woodmere Park is, I don't know that I've ever been in it. So no maybe mixed I had have- doubles with mom.
2: No, no,
0: no. She can't. No, stop.
2: Please. Maybe he was playing with Wilbon, well, I'm just he getting us confused. But
0: I'm not as sure about that one. I would love to speak to you, as I'm sure we have many shared experiences to talk about. Well, I think we just discussed all the shared <laughs> well, experiences. don't forget <laughs> the tennis. I, think, I don't recall that. So I think, but Robert Angel, or as he says, Bob Rock and Angel. So that's he beat Billy Joel's band. That's pretty cool. So um, July 4th, I I was really tired. I got up at about 4:30 yesterday. I got in the car at about 6.15 to drive back so I could play in the <clears throat> Columbia tournament, the July 4th tournament. We were nine under, and Arch Campbell said we didn't get a dime. We didn't get a dime of shop credit.
1: 61 wow. net, you, you miss, we didn't get a dime. you missed your Memorial Day partner, aren't you?
0: Yeah, because when Michael played with us instead of Arch. Yeah, shop credit. Yeah, it paid out. $125 in shop credit. <laughs> anyway. Eat it, Arch. I was so- <laughs> Didn't see it? Don't want to see it. I was so tired. From all of this. So I walked, because I walked yesterday with Cadia. I was so tired. And then I went to Michael's house, because Chan and Moni were here. And so we sat and had dinner. Michael made hamburgers and hot dogs. And I didn't really get a whole hot dog. There was only like, when I went to get a hot dog after a hamburger, and they were very, very good, there was only a half a hot dog left. And I felt hmm. awkward eating the entire half of the hot dog. So I only ate half- of the half of the hot dog. And then one time I ate half of a cheeseburger and Chan sort of looked at me like, and said, what are you doing? I mean, eat the whole thing. There's plenty of food here. This was
1: the nacho dilemma. You don't want to be the last person to finish the plate.
0: Right. So anyway, so I was so tired that I was asleep by quarter to nine, eight thirty, quarter to nine. I was that tired. Before I went to sleep, I tuned in PBS for you know a capital fourth right i've watched this for 100 years a capital fourth and what i saw was a show that seemed to be taped years ago <laughs> right. like around eight fifteen or 8 because it was a it was obviously night which it wasn't here in real time it, it wasn't it night it felt at like
1: or. a green screen
0: yeah it felt like and they yeah. were just having people sing in front of a darkened um, was it the White House? No, it was the Capitol. Yeah. It was the Capitol. It looked like it looked like a phony, baloney screen, like Wilbon uses in
1: Arizona with <laughs> cacti behind him. He's sitting in an office. So now, it wasn't when they were doing one of their cutaways to different cities, like you saw a Train performing in front of the Golden Gate Bridge.
0: No, but when they when they came back to real life, it was light. You know what I'm saying? So so the, I was watching something recorded by artists I didn't even know who they were. And I miss the fireworks. I never miss the fireworks, even on TV. Although, how do you guys feel about fireworks on TV? It's nothing.
2: That's not not really for me. If I'm going to be, I mean, I love to see them in person. I do love your July 4th celebration. But if I'm not going to be there, then on TV, it's just sort of, eh.
1: So what's your favorite firework? Because I have one that I think is your favorite
0: the thing that explodes
2: like the and, weep, and the has weeping the
1: weeping willow yeah the yes. teardrops so sure. my, my and, by the way i don't even <laughs> like the noise i just so like that's the that's what's color. so hard about it it's like watching like a noise. fire you know crackling on your tv so we were watching the fireworks on tv you can hear the fireworks where we live you know, downtown, Virginia, you hear them all over, you can't see them. Right. You have the knuckleheads in your neighborhood who are sending up sparklers that never seem to materialize in the air. <laughs> and then you go, it's got to come down somewhere. Where is <laughs> yeah. that? Brush fire. Uh, Yeah, so for us, we had, we're sitting out on our stoop. We put the boys to bed, and we're just hoping the noise isn't going to wake them up. And, and you, with your see, troops, I'm with s- my boys, I'm with my troops. We see throngs of people walking down with chairs, and we're sitting there going, Where are they going? Where are you going? To you're the walking, beach. That's what happens down in Hobbit. The they walk
2: with down chairs hill. to the beach. Sure. So, I uh, Fireworks! Yeah, you're walking downhill. What are you going to see? I
1: think maybe they're trying to go down to the Georgetown waterfront. I was very excited to see Christopher Jackson sing because I've been on been on a big in the heights mix, and so I was sort of thinking of Benny's Dispatch. But it was a bad night for them. It was very there was already a fog in the air, like a a heavy air. You couldn't really see much.
0: So I have in my life been invited to um, the Smithsonian uh, balcony. Oh, that's where you can see the fireworks. That's the the So if you can't. Like once you've done that, Brent Glass, when he was running the museum, my friend Brent invited us down. And once you've done that, yeah. you just can't. I used to go to the Washington Post, where you could see about sixty percent from the roof, sixty percent of the fireworks.
1: A terrifying rooftop
0: with all the mechanics. You could there. fall off. You fall off and die at the Washington Post. That <laughs> building you doesn't had to exist be, anymore. You had to be right. a pretty high up columnist to get up there. Yeah, and so, but the building doesn't even exist anymore. But once I went from that to to. Being able to see everything at the Smithsonian or at the Canadian Embassy, where, where I we went one year. Yes, we did get there one time. Yes, you can't. I'm sorry. Yeah, you, you spoil it. Yeah, point. you so, know you can't just the, sit in in a in a pile of dirt and look up <laughs> at the can't Smithsonian.
1: I, I would always love this because you would start. Bo- you wouldn't be interested. Then you'd slowly start boxing out the view for the kids behind you. So it would always be behind you watching and you would be mesmerized, and you'd start to mimic the teardrops with your hands.
0: I just think they're really beautiful. No, they now, you can have too much fireworks. I was mentioning this at like dinner Ocean last City. night.
2: Ocean <laughs> City, but they went sideways.
1: Yeah, they blew up. Dull. Fireworks <laughs> have been canceled.
2: Yeah, blew up in the middle of the day. Somebody lit a cigarette. I don't know I what mean, happened. who did that? I mean, that's, that,
0: that's such an Ocean City, hun <laughs> sort of thing, isn't it? It just really sounds like a disaster. Yes. So at the Olympics, the closing ceremonies, it's hours and hours of fireworks. And after about, honestly, after about 30 minutes, some of us stand up and scream, enough, (laughs) enough, stop, it's
1: awful, it just, it's... It's just droning on and on and on. But so, wow. so the best part about our fourth, we have these wonderful dinners with Chan and Moni. They were like, should we go down to the fireworks? We we recommend, no, stay as <laughs> no. far away as you can. Once, stay away. once you with that 9 o'clock hour, the city really becomes, you know, standstill. So we put the boys to bed. We go downstairs. Chan and Moni have packed up. They're walking back to their hotel. And I notice my phone's not where it normally is. It's not by the charger. And we have, you know, charging stations throughout the main level. And we've had a lot of visitors. So people have been plugging into different spots. I go to Liz. Can you try calling my phone? I have a bad feeling about this. So she Chan, calls- Chan took the phone? 100% Chan Hardwick <laughs> took my phone. Oh. I find his phone, you know, hidden underneath a couch cushion. My phone is on silent, so there's no way he's going to hear it when we call it. Mm. Right. So Liz gets a hold of her mom. Her mom has to Uber back to the house. And again, now you're in that sweet spot where you're like you have to get back in this Uber and go home immediately. Uh so yes, Chan uh, took because my phone. because
2: downtown
1: oh, is gridlocked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a nightmare. And the, this was after-
0: once you cross not K. its a few streets down from K. But when you get within the proximity of the mall area, there comes a point in time where you realize, oh, I can't get out. <laughs> yeah. I can't get out. So, Chessie, you may hear Chessie whining in the background. I don't really know. I mean, she was outside before prancing around with Frisbees. Anyway, let me, let me just tell this one story about coming home yesterday. Um, I, I've mentioned this before. I uh, leased a BMW a couple of years ago. A BMW X3. Oh, is, that,
1: is that why you have that hat?
0: <clears throat> yeah, the BMW hat that I was able to wear during the BMW tournament. And the golf balls. I don't have any golf balls anymore. I've lost those. Those have been deposited in water. <laughs> so I really like this X3. It's like the perfect size, and I feel, I feel safe in it. But these cars, and it's not just BMWs. All cars that are made now, they have too much information to convey to you. Far too much information. One small sensor goes out and then your screen is held hostage by what's wrong with your car. Mm-hmm. And there are little uh, doodads that, you know, they're, they're not emojis, but they're caricatures of a certain thing or a particular sensor lights up in a certain way. And I'm driving back yesterday from the beach and it's, I left at 6.20 in the morning. And about 10 minutes in, a sign comes on the screen in my car that says one or more of your intelligence safety systems may not be functional. Why well, I don't want I don't want to know that. <laughs> I don't know what my intelligence. Are you more concerned is. about one space or more? Yeah, one or more. One's enough. Uh, one's enough. And then a little light comes on right underneath the thing where you know when you press the hazard button so that your lights flash sure. on and off, so people will stay away from you. God knows what you're doing. Underneath that on the BMW is a button I'd never seen before because it had never lit up before. And now it lit up, and so I did the silly thing. I pressed right. it. Of course. And then it informed me that there was, might be a drivetrain problem. There's all these things that might have gone wrong. And then I noticed, I have this gizmo in my car where I can look on the windshield... On the windshield and superimposed on the windshield is the legal speed limit and how far I'm going, fast I'm going rather. And if it's a little bit faster than the legal speed limit, that number t- switches from white to red. Mm-hmm. And I notice that the one on the left that tells me what the legal speed limit is, that's not functional. And I begin to have these terrible fears that my car is going to degrade and it's going to leave me sitting in it, not moving at all. I have no idea what's going on. I want to call Edward. Edward is somebody who brought the car to me. Edward works at BMW Fairfax, works for Mike Walker, who's the brother of Jackie Walker, who is the makeup, one of the makeup people along with Renee at PTI, if there's ever makeup again. And that's how I got the car, through Jackie and Mike. But at this point, it's not even seven in the morning. And it's not only a Sunday morning, It's a holiday Sunday morning. Yeah. And you don't want to wake anybody up with something that could be very, very trivial, as trivial as I'm going to lose all control of the car and smash into a tree, and that'll be (laughs) the end of it. I say, if I can just make it to the Rofo that I like to stop at and get gas because I needed gas, it's about five miles into 404 for those people keeping score. Then I can call Edward because that's going to be 7.45, almost 8 o'clock. I call Edward at that time. He answers the phone, thank God. He said, I've been up. I've got a puppy. You know, I'm training the puppy and all of that. And I say, what's going on? He said, it's probably just some sensors. It's a software issue. You don't have to worry about the car. Because every once in a while, on the screen, the magic um, BMW thing takes over. And it says, you can continue to drive your car. You don't have to stop you don't need to stop or get service right now but you do need to take your car in and as long as it said that i felt better although that could have been a ruse right yeah, you know just, they could have been lying to me <laughs>
2: just to make you feel better
0: once i got over the bay bridge i felt better because i felt i was in civilization and i could probably get home and i did in fact i did in fact get home and the car i love the car they're going to pick up the car today cuz what's probably happened is I drove so few miles in the pandemic, as did many people, so few miles that I've had this car for two years and I just barely got to 10,000 miles and you don't need service on a BMW till 15,000, but you do need it to be looked at once a year. And I kept my mouth shut and my head down and I didn't even do that. But that is, you understand the frightful
1: I, circumstance. Yeah, and that's the problem with these tech packages where I'm sure- it I don't want to know. I'm sure it's nothing that- When I had a
0: 1960 Ford Fairlane, if it started,
1: we went. Nigel's happy if his door shuts.
2: Yes. It's yeah. always a so, bonus. Did the car? Did the car at any point say, seek shelter immediately? No, but I was- Yeah, but, that happened I
1: mean, on our phones on Thursday.
2: <laughs>
0: yes, <when> okay.
1: Tornadoes <laughs> touchdowns.
0: Yes. So, I mean, don't- When you're in the car- don't, wouldn't you be frightened? you yes, a I, car I alone driving 140
1: miles. This is how much the tech has come because I have a car that's probably four years old and we don't have as much as you have, but there are certain times where you get in, it you know, the, it's the sensors on the side, the backup camera, yeah, the little, you know, the camera at the front over the rear view mirror might be displaced or can't see. And they something. let you
0: know, now, don't let me know. Right. Just keep saying, you're good. Everything's fine. You on draw. the screen, <laughs> you're good. You're good to go. Where are you going? Tell me. And I'd say, I'm going home. I got about 100 miles to go. You're good.
1: <laughs> now, so I really the place, like the Of car. all the places for this to happen, when this happened, I'm surprised you don't just pull into a dealership and say, Carol, come pick me up. I'm just leaving this here.
0: Well, well, I did say to her before I left, I the think she heard. Uh, I said, look, this is... Something's going on with the car, I think. Something's going on. I called her that something's going on with the car. I may end up stopped and you may have to come pick me up.
1: Now again, your only worry is the bridge cuz up to that point you you can stop anywhere on 404, yeah. even you know when you're close. It says to the no beach.
0: stopping on the bridge. No, yeah, oh, yeah. your signs, yeah, you no stopping you, on the bridge.
2: You don't want to stop on a bridge. Don't. Yeah.
0: Especially me, I don't like bridges, I'm afraid of bridges. And and, and everything everything functioned well. Uh, To me, this was a case of too much information. Yes. If my car's, if it's good, if I'm driving, again, why do you have a cell phone? You don't really have it to send your laundry out and take pictures and film, I don't know, Godfather 4. (laughs) No, you have it to call people, as long as it's functional as a phone You're good. As long as my car engages and goes forward when I want it to, I'm good. I'm good. I don't want to know because I'm an old person who worries. I don't want to know all these things.
1: Make sure you uh, change the battery in your key fob. I can only imagine the problems that that'll cause. What do you mean? We can't get in. Oh, I got one
0: of of my, yeah, one of mine. They give you two when you get the car. One of them's never worked. Yeah.
2: So if this one breaks down, I'm in trouble.
0: Yeah, I, I just because you can't. There are no keys anymore.
1: You'll never be able to pry open the back of that thing. Yeah, no. no. You got
2: to go to the dealership and get a new.
0: How do chip. you go if you can't get in the car? How do you go?
1: Well, that is a problem. So you, <laughs> you can't open a car at all. I I still have a key. Usually, for my, there's no. an emergency key that'll get you in the. Where's the key? It, when you open up the fob itself, there's you. That's where the key is hidden, and that's just to get in the door.
0: I don't know how to open that thing up. It's made out of metal.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is how you break a fingernail.
0: Yeah, I just wouldn't do it. <laughs> anyway. We'll take a break. When we come back, Michael Wilbon will join us from Arizona. Happy man, because the Phoenix Suns are in the NBA Finals. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
3: You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
0: This is the Indochino
2: read. Nigel, why don't you just talk about the suits that you bought and how much you love them? Well, I've got three Indochino suits, and every time I break down by the side of the road, I'm happy that I'm wearing my Indochino suit because that means people are more likely to stop and help me out because I look fantastic. You will as well. It's tailored to your specific dimensions. You can design the suit any way you like. There's all sorts of variations you can do with the cuffs, lapels. You get shirts, all these things, monograms. It's really a very affordable price, and it gets to you very quickly. Here are some questions for you. Did you shop online or visit a showroom? Describe your experience. I, I shopped online and, as famously, measured myself with a piece of rope and a yardstick. How did you personalize your clothing? Uh, I got monograms. Just a big N, you know. Yeah, big for Nigel. <laughs> on the outside of the inside, <laughs> on the outside <laughs> back of the jacket. Yeah, that's tremendous. <laughs>
0: and describe how what wearing number. your custom piece makes you feel.
2: Makes me feel fantastic. The highest compliment I've ever been paid was by you when we were in Chicago. Chicago. So you look like one of the Rat Pack members. Indochino offers completely custom-fitted suits, shirts, casual
0: wear, and more at surprisingly affordable prices. Every piece is made to your exact measurements, as Nigel said, and you can customize every detail. Choose everything about your suit from the fabric, lapel, monogram, statement linings. Statement linings. You could, you know, write in there the... I don't know, the Bill of Rights, if you want. It'd be fun. You can create a suit that fits you and your style perfectly. The best part, Indochino suits start at just $399 with all customizations included. Shop for your next best look or book a virtual style consultation at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $50 off any purchase of $399 or more. That's one suit, obviously, by using the code Tony K at checkout. That's $50 off a purchase of $399 or more at INDO, INDO, C-H-I-N-O, Chino, chino.com, promo code Tony K. Use the code, people.
2: You're listening to The
4: Tony Kornheiser Show.
0: this is sent to us by zach in richmond virginia i'd like to start by saying you can rest easy i have no wedding announcements no invitations to jump on a bird and cross the country and no parking passes for you i'd like to share some of my band's original music with you in the hopes that we could become the original official richmond virginia rock and roll band of the show my other bandmates don't listen to the show don't really care about sports but i listen every day um anyway my band is called rough ideas Here's our first single we released just this month. It's called PTB, a.k.a. Pass the Bottle. Could be a nice bottle of red while Michael is grilling and the Nats bullpen is blowing a late lead or some Johnny Walker blue while you're yelling at a choking Paul George in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. You decide. Either way, I hope you enjoy some good old rock and roll music from just down 95 South. That's from Zach in Richmond, Virginia. Very nice. Playing in Michael Wilbon, the NBA Finals are now set. It's going to be Phoenix against Milwaukee. Um, at the beginning of the year, it's impossible impossible to believe that anybody would have had this pairing because Phoenix was a losing team last year. But as the playoffs went on, Mike, is this the final you expected?
5: Um, Tony, not necessarily. I, you know, Milwaukee, you could have picked at the beginning of the year. You could have picked that because right. Milwaukee That's has right. been there preparing. You know, you know, three three years in a row where you could say okay wait a minute they got a two time mvp they've got everything they're supposed to have they sort of did a little retool on the fly over the summer you know adding Drew Holiday and, you, know, you you could say okay they they can make it you couldn't have seen the Suns there cuz even if you no even if you no. after the trade acquired Chris Paul and after you could see DeAndre Ayton becoming something of a a real true overall number 1 draft pick you couldn't have you couldn't have seen Phoenix uh, you could see Phoenix in the second round but people just don't as you're hinting at already you've talked about in, in past shows you, you, you don't come out from from under 500 and not in the playoffs no. to the NBA Finals this is not the NFL where teams go worse to first it just isn't and so you couldn't have seen that at the beginning of the playoffs you could I mean there was just there was like five or six games into this where you go you know what the Suns can could maybe get there because they, they can beat LeBron and Anthony Davis with Anthony Davis less than. And you look at the health of the teams and the overall storyline of health, and if, if, the, if the Suns can, can be whole, yeah. But it took a while. You, you, you had to wait, I think, until the second round of the playoffs to see that uh, from a Western Conference winner.
0: I think... And this is remarkable, because I don't know that it's ever happened. You and I talked about this yesterday on the phone. We don't think that anybody's going from a losing record to NBA champions, ever. Um, I thought right. maybe San Antonio did it, but you said Tim Duncan in his first year, they did not win. So okay. They did not.
5: They did not. It was the same so second year this... for Tim Duncan. Yeah.
0: Now, I think that when Bill Russell went to the Celtics... They already had Bob Cousy and Tom Heinsohn, and so they were already a very good team. When Wilt Chamberlain got into the league in Philadelphia, um, they didn't win the first year. They only won once, right. and it was down the road, way down the road. Yeah. So I don't know that this has ever happened, and yet I think somehow Phoenix should be the favorites in this series, Mike. I do, because well, a lot of they come mean, out of the harder women. conference. Yeah.
5: yeah, what do you think? They, they do. Well, tell me they've— They've you know they've won now like something like you know nine of eleven playoff games. That the two they did lose two games obviously as the Clippers in that series. But I agree with you, especially if Antetokounmpo is not in the lineup. But even if he is in the lineup, how how healthy is he if he's in the lineup? So that we don't know yet. I, I, I would suspect at least by the time we get to Milwaukee uh, and the series starts, you know. Tuesday starts tomorrow, so Tuesday Thursday, right? right. Uh, here in Phoenix, and then by the time the series gets to the weekend in Milwaukee, maybe Antetokounmpo, who did, who he has been announced multiple times, there's no structural damage to his knee. Maybe he's able to play, but that's still a maybe, Tony. So I I talked to John Barry, my dear friend John Barry last night, who you know played in the league for what 13, 14 seasons, has covered the league you know for that many more. Uh, John John said, look, I I, I think Phoenix is the favorite. He said the same thing you did. And I was curious to hear John say that, because John will be calling the games on on ESPN radio. He'll he'll be here as well. Um, But the way the Suns are playing and they're healthy leads me to probably conclude the same thing.
0: So do we know, is Antetokounmpo not even expected to play in Game 1 tomorrow?
5: Um, tell me, I think we'll I think we'll know that tonight. Listen, remember, Trey Young played; he was less than himself. That's to Trey Young that helped led that team to the conference finals. He, he was he didn't know until game time. Literally, for, for for guys with this particular injury, they are and Trey's was an ankle. Uh, Giannis is the hyperextension. Um, he's gonna go look. He, he's getting treatment around the clock, literally, and I mean literally. He is hooked up to all kinds of contraptions and and the newest medical technology that wasn't even dreamt of five years ago. And so they'll look at Kumpo not just tonight, but tomorrow, and they'll make a decision. And when they say game time, they mean literally game time. Okay. uh, Before He'll he'll be out on the floor going through warm-ups when they decide, okay, it's a yes or no.
0: So Coach Bood for uh, Milwaukee, Mike Budenholzer, Got a lot of heat from a lot of people, including you. A lot of yep. heat as the playoffs yep. went on. Are yep. you satisfied the fact that they got here? Are you satisfied that he knows his team, or do you still think his team plays incredibly stupidly, and that's on him?
5: Um, you know, I don't, I don't doubt that he knows his team. That's not the issue. The issue is, what the hell are they doing from night to night? Right. Um, Tony, Tony, Bobby Portis Jr. has had these great games coming off the bench. He's, you know, he's, you know, sort of a super sub for them. I mean, he's not sixth man of the year in the league necessarily, but he's, I mean, he's a six ten guy who's been around the league seven or eight years. The first three or four with the Bulls, actually, they drafted played him.
0: in Washington and for a year or two.
5: Played, played, played in Washington, one, yeah. I think for yeah. one and. and Tony, he's, he's a guy who can give you a lot of different stuff off the bench, and you need that. And his size, so they play like the Nets in the previous round. You're trying to just, if you can keep Kevin Durant under 50, you use whatever means necessary, whoever is on your bench. Bobby Portis had helped them sweep the previous round, had helped Coach Boo do that. Well, now they're playing Kevin Durant. And you know what? The difference between holding Durant to 45 as opposed to 49 is an important distinction because you can win. You might be able to win if you hold Kevin Durant just two buckets fewer than Wilt.
0: Yeah, that's right.
5: He didn't, play, he didn't play for three straight games. His coach did not play him for three consecutive games. And you, you, you just you don't know. It's one of John's favorite lines, too. John Barry's favorite lines is funny. He said, the Bucks are a box of chocolates. You don't know what you're going to get. It's such a, such a you know, great line from Forrest Gump. And so, Tony, yes, he has taken heat from everyone. Other coaches, privately and quietly, they won't do that to a guy in the profession you know, while they're playing. But you can't watch the Bucks. You don't know. I, I, always, I just say, I don't trust them. Tony, there are games in which they have like 30 24 points in the paint in a quarter to start the court, 24 points, 25 points. And they'll just come down the, the rest of the quarter or the rest of the half and shoot threes. And they were shooting 20-some percent from three-point range. You don't know what they're going to do, but yet they do have personnel. And, and he gives them a freedom, if you want to call it that, um, with Middleton and, and Drew Holiday and Antetokounmpo, and they can play one-on-one whenever they want, and they do. And you're looking at it, and you just go, I'm talking about people who have made a living in the league. You they look at it live time and just go, What the hell is that? What are they doing now? This is not some games, Tony. This is virtually every game. But because of the injuries to Brooklyn and Trey Young not playing three the last really the last three games of the series, here we are with Milwaukee, a team that two years ago might have been a favorite to, to win but lost to Toronto in the in the conference finals. Here they are. Here they are again. We don't know how they got
0: there. This is the most fantastic little note about the playoff series that I have is this. You, Michael Ray Wilbon, can sleep in your own bed and watch every single game.
1: Yeah, you can baby.
0: sleep in Chicago and commute yeah. to Milwaukee, right? Has that, Has anybody ever been able to do this before? Sleep in your own bed every game and go. <laughs>
5: I've certainly not been able to do it. I'm very excited about it. Um, the thing I hate the most uh, post well, not, we're, not, we're not really we're not post pandemic, but during the pandemic, the thing I hate the most is I've resumed travel because we all resumed travel. Those of us who do that is packing. I, I hate that in the best of times. I really hate it now. We're all trying to get revved back up to, to do what we have done for decades. A lot of us and and packing the, the travel is. You know how I love travel. You know how travel is nothing to me. Travel is I know. now, it's arduous, it's stressful, it has never been like this for me in the 40 years, 41 years I've been doing this stuff. I hate it, and this is, so, this is so great that I can just, you know, games one and two are Tuesday and Thursday here, and I'll get on a plane with a backpack and fly to Chicago, and the games are such, Tony, one game is on Sunday, I might drive to Milwaukee. And there are people that I may have with me. I may have to get like a rent, like a Yukon. Because, you know, I'm not going to tr- disparage Milwaukee. I actually like Milwaukee. And as, as the, some of us from the Midwest say, you know, we can disparage Milwaukee. Those of us from Detroit and Chicago and Indianapolis and wherever. But no, other people can't. Um, and, but the people, you know, are saying, wait a minute, I'm flying to Chicago. Are you, are you driving? <laughs> I'm like, Yeah. Well, you can One also take
0: train, train. a train, right? Isn't a train hour about 10. an hour and a half?
5: Hour yeah. ten, hour ten. It's, it leaves at five oh eight. That's how familiar I am with the train schedule to from Chicago to Milwaukee on weekdays. So I'm, I'm yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about just being able to be in Chicago and here. It's, it's a, you know, it's a fun thing that Chicago's not participating, but you know, a small midwestern city is. I find that kind of cool that Milwaukee's participating, no matter what I think of this edition of the Bucks. And I'm, I mean, look, I, Phoenix is definitely, you know, I heard, I heard even Shaq say, about it was cool to have two small market teams. Hello, Shaquille. Phoenix is the fifth biggest city in America. Is it really? And so, yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I didn't know New that. New York, I would have said top Chicago, 10.
5: Chicago, Philly, Houston, maybe six. Philly, Houston, Houston.
0: I know Houston is big. I know Houston is bigger Houston's than people four. think.
5: Houston's four. Yeah. And Houston's going to catch Chicago at some point in terms of, you know, Houston, a city with no zoning whatsoever. It's right, gonna be, that's
4: right.
0: It's
5: going to be third. But then you've got, you've got Philly four, I'm sorry, you've got Philly five, and, and Phoenix, Arizona, six. Some mm. people even listening to this would think that they... You know, what's a small place out west? Well, yeah, it was bigger than Washington D.C. It's was bigger than the nation's capital
0: in terms of Oh, it's much. Population. Oh, there's no question about that. The Washington yeah. is probably 12 or 13 or something like that. No, so, not that let long. us not get that low. let us get to Chris Paul for a second. He's your okay. boy, and you know you're working yep. with Chris Paul, and that's all fine. Chris Paul, of all the people who are going to play in this final. His story is the best story. There's no other story. Because Antetokounmpo, he's a kid. He's got a lot of years left. Booker is a kid. There's no particular veteran out there where you say, oh, he's been dying to get in this position, except for Chris Paul, who's been now on his third team in three years um, and is the only significant addition to Phoenix and deserves, to me, an incredible amount of credit for molding this team and getting this team to the finals. He's had a bad history in the playoffs of either being bad or being hurt. He's never been this far before. And if he were to win, I mean, I would, I would just, I don't know that it makes him a better player. I think he's a very good player, but I think that, that a guy like that could say, okay, this is, this is it. I won. I've done everything I've ever wanted to do. Right.
5: Yeah. Yeah, yes, yes. I would, I would, he's not a very good player. Chris Paul's been a great player for a long time. Um, he's, he's on that list of people who have not won a championship who have been great players for a very long time. One of the people who will be cheering for him the hardest, and I hope to get him to actually be in the arena because he defines, to a large degree, basketball in this town, is Charles Barkley. Yep. Uh, but Charles, yep. Charles, Charles got to the finals at like 29, and he won the MVP that year. Chris has not gotten there until he's, he's 35. Mm. And so um, Chris has been a great player. He's one of the great point guards. And, and when you watch the last two years, and you have remarked on this over and over the last two years, he's, just, he's taken two teams into the playoffs in one series, and you go, how in the hell is that possible? That's um, right.
0: He's in, He has qualitatively improved teams just by his presence. He has.
5: Yes. No question. Yes. And, he, and he is tough, and he's tough. Uh, Devin, everybody knows Devin Booker. You, you'd probably say now Devin Booker is the best player on that team, and he's averaged 27.5 points two years ago. This year, he was like 25. He's down in scoring this year, which is good. But Chris Paul is the most important player. It's like, two, yes. it's like three years ago when, when James Harden was the best player on a Houston team that probably should have won if Chris Paul stays healthy. Uh, Chris Paul is the most important player on that team. So you can say that about Booker. Um, and you know what, Tony, I'm not going to, in three years, maybe it's Aiden. I don't know. I mean, Aiden, Aiden is c- coming to a place now where you just go, my God, this guy can do everything in the traditional way. A big man does it, but it's still Chris Paul. And I said to Booker, what is this like? Cause he, he is, he is legendarily tough on people and Booker with a wry smile says it ain't for everybody. <laughs> is, That's right. I mean, this is a guy who scores 20 alone. one more time, 27 points a game. This is a kid who has a 70-point game to his credit. Can you ask him, what's it like to have to deal with Chris Paul every day? It ain't for everybody. Well, it is for Devin Booker. Devin Booker is now gone for – so with the games Devin Booker has had in the playoffs, you're going you're gonna to push him up a level and start him, aren't you, in, in terms of observing – pro basketball in this in this era you're going to put devin Booker on this maybe the second line of players
0: devin Booker is a really talented wonderful player uh there is no question about that you make those determinations when you get to something like a final you see how people yep. do i mean that's right. that, that, that's where your reputation i'm sorry that's where your reputation is
5: i agree with you hundred yep. percent Booker has a yep. tattoo on his forearm. and it says I mean is it the only tattoo he's got maybe and it says Be legendary. That's because Kobe Bryant, in his last year of play, his last game in Phoenix, pulled Booker aside and said, you've got everything, but you need to work at this in a way that's fanatical that you can't even imagine now because you can be legendary and you should be legendary. This is Kobe Bryant talking to him. And Booker tattooed that on his arm, and that's what he talks about. And somebody was asking me the other night, uh, before the last game in, in L.A., you know, what is this about for Booker? Let's forget about Paul for a second. What's up about for Booker? I said, this is when you build your legend. You don't build your legend in the first round. You build right. your legend now. And so you, 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 you build enough to get there to have this, this, this moment. And so Booker, who I find just an absolutely charismatic person, and people don't know his story as much yet because they find your story out late like this and his father's a legendary guy he coaches him you know and he's not like ball or richard williams his, his father yes has had the same result but his father swooped him up when he came back from playing in europe for, for 13 years and took him to mississippi and said you you are too soft we're going to toughen you up we're going to train you i know what it takes to play professional basketball let's go and it's just a, it's a great story. And his dad is a charismatic, great-looking guy who is fun. And I think Mark Spears is doing a piece on him. But there's, you know, there's people, Tony, you mentioned. They're not known. You're going to learn who these people are and, and, and DeAndre Ayton. So how good is he? Is he as good as uh, uh, a joker? Can he be that good? We don't know yet. But I, I find that part of it appealing for me is that other okay. people are going to see these guys for the first time really on this level and make a decision on what they think about him.
0: No, it's a, it's, look, it's a final without Steph Curry and LeBron James. This hasn't happened in an awfully long time in the NBA. All right, I'll talk to you later.
5: Sounds good, Tom, thanks.
0: Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we will take a break. We will come back. Abby Lowell, the smartest man in Washington, will come back. We'll talk about Shikari Richardson and Trevor Bauer and their legal circumstances. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
4: You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show.
0: This is the ZipRecruiter ad. You know, people want to hire somebody. You don't have enough applicants with the right skills or experience. You have too many resumes to sort through and you need to hire somebody quickly. You don't know where to post your job to reach the right people. That's why hiring can feel like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over a hundred top job sites with one click. Then ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. In fact, ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. So while other companies overwhelm you with way too many options, ZipRecruiter finds you what you are looking for, the needle in the haystack. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony Once again, remember to go to this unique place. It's unique because they stuck my name at the end of it. And they do this with everybody, I'm sure. But ZipRecruiter if you're hiring, you're crazy not to try it. ZipRecruiter.com slash T-O-N-Y. ZipRecruiter The smartest way to hire. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Michael Mullins. says, hey guys, hope so all is well. We've been working on a bunch of new stuff but are just now putting out the songs that you guys kindly took to and featured on the show a couple of weeks back. We have one more for you called The Wife. It's now available and out everywhere. I thought I'd like to make you guys aware of it and share it. Um, this is The band is called Zita. That's right. It's Z-I-T-A, Zita. That's right. Hardcore rock and roll band, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hardcore Versy rock be. and roll band. Yes. So if you are Zita or uh, what was the band from? Wait a Rough ideas, I think. Rough ideas from Richmond, Virginia. You want to send us your original music? Michael, how do you do that?
1: Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. We love the original music. It's because we can't
0: afford the other music. <laughs> and we love the original. Music. We too. Abby Lowell, the smartest man in Washington, joins us now because two things have bubbled up in the last, I don't know, 72 hours, maybe a little bit more than that, that involve athletes of tremendous consequence. Won an Olympic sprinter and won uh, the highest one-year deal ever for a pitcher, I believe. So the Shikari Richardson um, was a, a lock to be the favorite in 100 meters uh, in the Olympics in Tokyo. And Trevor Bauer is a big deal pitcher. Won the, he's the reigning Cy Young Award winner in the National League. And they are in <clears throat> a certain amount of trouble Uh, in terms of being able to pursue their craft. And we'll start with Shakari Richardson. She has been popped for using marijuana, Um, probably not to use it for any competitive advantage, because it's sort of hard to believe it gives you a competitive advantage. She had already qualified for the Olympics as a sprinter. She used it. She has said, I did it. I knew the rule. I did it. Abby... A lot of people will say that it's a bad rule, but until you change the rule, it is the rule. How do you look at her circumstance? Because she's accepted a one-month suspension that will keep her out of the individual races, but may allow her to be on the relay races in Tokyo.
3: So this is the complexity of having four different bodies of law and rules, right? You have... Yes, Um, the United States law. When you're you're in the United States, you have a state law. And for example, on marijuana, there's not all 50 states that have the same. You have the U.S. Olympic rules and you have the international ones. And the problem is it's not wrong in some theoretical way to have an athletic organization make rules that are different than what the law that non-athletes use. Right. I mean, you can all say, yeah, that kind of makes sense. The problem is how old are those rules and who made them to begin with? And do they carry with them sort of an archaic view of what the rules should be? And, and, and in terms of some of these rules, who made them is like, was it a bunch of like, you know, 11 white guys 25 years ago making rules that are still in effect? And so the problem is where is the line? And in, you're right. I mean, take take her. For example, you know, the rule says drugs can disqualify you if one, it's performance enhancing and another one is something. And then the third is like if it, you know, casts aspersions on your sport or something like that. Well, to begin with, you're right. You know, think about it. I I don't know this from firsthand, but my understanding of people who use marijuana is that it's not only not enhancing. Think about it. Like if she did it, she probably wanted to go out and get fried food and donuts and it wasn't going to make her run very fast. So, you know, I think one of the questions that people ask is, well, wait, why does that make sense for a rule that doesn't conform? On the other hand, you know, sometimes we want these athletics to have rules. Like, I mean, you know, I I don't know what would come to mind, but I mean, think of tennis, for example. I mean, everybody can wear anything except at Wimbledon, where you can only wear white. And when, like, Rafa decided he would take his sleeves off, that was probably the scandal of the United Kingdom. So consequently, there's the tension. And let me show you where it goes before we get to the next example. I, my partner and my firm has represented athletes against the NCAA in, in the issues of whether you can, you know, they can raise funds or make funds for their name and likeness and whether they can have funds attributed to them. So the rules make sense when you think about them at 25,000 feet, but they're archaic like the NCAA rules are. And then they change, but they change slowly. So for her you know, for shikari Richardson, is it, is it fair? People will come out on both sides of that issue. And it does seem to me that when there is a rule that isn't connected immediately to performance and it doesn't have the immediate effect of it being something as vague as does it cast some aspersion on the sport, that's where it gets tricky. And that's where people should reconsider.
0: Yeah, so we have a situation where there, there's reportedly... Um, an incident in her life that caused her great distress, the death of a loved one, and then she sought refuge for that, for that pain, by using marijuana. She has, and I can't stress this enough, she says, I did this. I knew the rule. I did this. I accept the punishment. What I'm asking now, and I I suspect I know the answer, but I think people would ask this. The law, I, I mean, does... Does she have legal recourse as we understand the law, the law being written to affect the entire citizenry, you know, the law of the land, which is different than the law of athletics, different than the law of the Olympics, certainly the International Olympic Committee. If she, can she go to a court in the United States? I suspect she can't, but I'm asking, can she go to a court in the United States and say, get me relief from this?
3: Well, you know, you just defined, as I started the conversation, the various levels of law and rules. The law can say something is okay to do. But you, as a club member, as somebody who lives in a homeowner's association, as somebody who signs up to be an athlete for the Olympic team, can sign an agreement, a contract, uh, you know, orally or in writing, that says, I will abide by your rules, which are more restrictive than the law of the state or, or the country. And so the answer to, you know, your question straight on is no. Um, mm-hmm. But the other issue there is, and here shows the potential arbitrariness of the system, is that so she says, I did it. It's not performance enhancing. She understands that she was doing something which she admits she knew was wrong. But then becomes becomes yeah. the, the arbitrariness of like, all right, four weeks. Why not two weeks? Why not one week? Why not a reprimand? Don't do it again. And there again lies the problem with rules that are not, basically, in in hard concrete, in in various laws. Because in laws, you know, we we do basically try to set out the parameters of the punishment. Here, when you have institutions deciding what will be the punishment, it, it includes another level of potential arbitrariness. And so she could have, for this offense for the reason she did it, admit it, say she did it. But the institution, the organization could have said, okay, this is your first offense. You know, we give people a second bite at the apple and it could have been a reprimand. You know what I mean? So there's another level. It's not just that you broke the law or rule, not law, but rule. Yeah, rule. But what happens happens with it? But she doesn't have any recourse in a court if she kind of voluntarily decided to abide by more restrictive rules. One more point on that. In our history, and you see it now like with voting rights, right? The United States federal government can say, thou shalt have the right to vote. Um, And the states can say, yes, but I want you to show an ID. I want you to stand on your head and sing the Star Spangled Banner. And so when you start delegating how a law is interpreted or how a rule is interpreted, you end up with this possibility that we all abide by it on some level. But Olympic organizations, clubs, homeowner associations and states can do something with it that makes it more restrictive. And at some point, it does get to, viol- if it does violate a bigger law, if it's due process, you know, if it's equal protection, if, for example, I mean, look at one of the other issues going on, right, on the swimming team, there's some weird rule being imposed that you can't wear a certain um, bathing cap, which basically people of color use based on different hairstyles. That's where you start worrying about whether the rules do basically conflict with something that's bigger and broader, like, you know, equal protection, due process, et cetera. Yeah. So it's interesting yeah. and complicated.
0: Trevor Bauer faces a different situation than Shakari Richardson. He faces real law, not rules. He he is he is being suspended by rule, but he also faces a legal situation. It seems to me, right? I mean, it's a little bit different.
3: It is a little different. It is, and and the difference there again. But it, you know, to start off with, it's the same issue, which is again, I mean, in our country different than virtually every country on the planet, people are presumed innocent no matter what the investigation is. And even if they're charged, they're presumed innocent until a jury says otherwise or they admit to it and say otherwise. So here you have a presumption of innocence, but again, we're living in a society now and it's, this one's probably not wrong when you think about it. I mean, the issue becomes if a society has been insensitive to a issue for a very long period of time. Is it okay for the club, baseball league, the Olympic committee, or whoever to basically say, okay, look, while this is playing itself out, sit down on the bench for a while. You sit down on the bench for a while, not because we're basically deciding whether you've done something wrong or not, but among other things, he said, I'm not contesting this because it would be a distraction. And would it ever not be a distraction, right? So it is different. And here again, our, our Sporting teams and other such things now saying, or universities, for example, when somebody is alleged to have done something wrong in a relationship, being a little bit maybe over overreactive, that's a subject that people can debate. It is different, though. And so in this situation, it's not just that there's a law that contradicts the sports rule. It's that there are other issues like distraction, like showing that we take these things seriously, and so mm-hmm. there it is a little bit mm-hmm. different than Shakira Richardson, I think. Richardson, I'm pretty sure. So in Trevor Bauer's
0: case, it just seemed to me when the Dodgers said in the middle of last week, we're going to start him on Sunday, what the Dodgers were really saying was, get us out of this situation, baseball. Don't make us have to make this decision. This is something larger than just this team. And baseball stepped right in. And baseball put him on administrative leave. This is the action of a commissioner. You've seen this in other sports for other things. The commissioner of the NFL, the commissioner of the NBA, they have this very, very broad power. Abby, is that a legal power that they have? And how do you feel when they use it? You know, would it be easy to sort of defend Trevor Bauer and say he's being treated unfairly?
3: Well, the, the commissioner example that you give, we've seen in various situations. We've seen it with Gate in the NFL. We've seen it yep. in other issues. And so the issue there is, again, when you say I'm going to be a player in a league, NBA, NFL, MLB, whatever – I am going to have, and this is another issue that comes into play, when there are sports that have collective bargaining agreements and you have the employment law and you have unions, etc., as to what is allowed and what is the due process you get and who can take actions, it puts even another layer onto what I said before, which is the federal law, the state law, the club's rules, and now you have a collective bargaining agreement. And so, you're right, the Dodgers decided, you know, I'd like somebody else to take care of this because it will be controversial in my home stadium if I take a star player and bench him, when, again, you're supposed to have a presumption of innocence, etc. So, The problem is benevolent despots are always great as long as they're benevolent and as long as they basically play by rules that we can all sort of say, you know, that makes sense. But in each of the sports you are talking about, Tony, and all the examples we can think of over the last decade or more, we've all seen circumstances where the commissioner, whether he, in this case, mostly he's, are benevolent, make mistakes. And then the question is, there's no appeal or there's very little appeal. And so, you know, it's 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 a contrast and a conflict between what is what you give up as a person who's in a club, a sport, an organization that you and I get because we haven't agreed to play by the rules where a commissioner is all powerful. And that is a tension, and it comes up every once in a while, right? It does, and then we say, well, wait, is it fair? And we're, the country seems to be coalescing around the idea that there's something not quite fair about the Shakari Richardson issue, right? I don't think people are yelling and screaming about others at the moment, but that's the one that everybody's saying, well, wait, you know, and and as I said before, look, you could get to the point where she says what she said, the rule is what it is, but it is not crazy to say with this offense first time, it's not going to be a suspension. I mean, no, I agree with with that.
0: that. I agree with that. But the Trevor Bauer thing is way different. The Trevor Bauer thing is, oh, Uh, come on. What happened here? Right.
3: Yeah, but that's why it is complicated. It has to be looked into and it's not wrong in that situation for the institution to say everybody just sit down and take a deep breath until yeah. we figure it out.
0: Yes. And I guess they're I guess they're waiting for the legal avenue to decide what to do. I would assume that, right? Whether there'd be right, a prosecution. Right. And that would right. be a criminal prosecution, would it
3: not be? That would be criminal. Of course, I mean, depending on what happens in the investigation, it would be. But you can also see how it plays itself out in other things. I mean, you know, for all of the people out there, this last week has also raised the issue of what happened with the investigation into the climate that existed in the Washington football team. And that's going to play itself out too, right? So you had a commissioner assign an investigation, which kind of caused a result, which now people get to look at and decide did the commissioner overstate uh, overdue or underdo what was going on there. And it is an interesting thing in our country. And I go back to the first minute of our conversation. You have various layers of laws and rules, and they sometimes conflict with each other. And the question becomes, are athletes the subject of capriciousness? Or do we decide, okay, you know, look, you're getting a lot of money, at least the ones that are great, to play in a sport that's not a right, it's a privilege, and you give up those rights in order to, you know, go ahead and yeah. do your thing.
0: Thank you, Abby. Sorry about your Yankees. Yeah,
3: I know. It's just, I mean, so here's another weird thing. Like, so like the Washington National fans, which I'm also part because oh. I live in the city and love baseball. But wait. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you got this Yankees-Mets series and the Nationals have to be rooting, you know, for the Yankees. <laughs> it's kind of a funny thing. That's
0: right. Yeah, you got to get the Mets <laughs> under 500. You got to yeah, make that exactly.
3: happen.
0: All right. Talk All to right. you. Thanks, Abby. All Abby right. Lowell. Bye. That's why he's the smartest guy in Washington. <laughs> we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll do email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
4: This is the Tony Kornheiser Show.
2: Fantastic, Missouri marching band, fantastic. Nigel, what about Bethesda Bagels for us? Bethesda Bagels are magnificent. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in and you will be thrilled.
0: That will just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say I'm pleased and happy to repeat the news that we have, in fact, caught and killed a large predator that supposedly injured some bathers. But as you see, it's a beautiful day. The beaches are open and people are having a wonderful time. Amity, as you know, means friendship. That's from Jaws, kids. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Abby Lowell. Thanks to today's sponsors, Indochino and ZipRecruiter. And remember, you can listen to us on... Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. And if you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. That's a wonderful line from Jaws, of course, and it talks about the hypocrisy. But the line everybody remembers is,
2: I think we're going to need a bigger, <laughs> bigger boat. boat. Right? Yeah, that's Mayor Larry Vaughn, by the way, yeah. that character.
0: From Hillel Leonard Katz, a dentist. I want to thank you for all the laughs over the years helping me get through the dental school at NYU for the rich. I'm currently a dental resident at Bellevue Hospital in New York City. This past year has been pretty tough due to the pandemic. On a happier note, I got married last Tuesday. I realized I forgot to invite fellow little rabbi Willie Balk from Englewood, New Jersey. If you can please read this email and let him know I'm deeply sorry he was not at my wedding, but hopefully this could be a solid makeup gift in return. I've attached the invite to this email in case you'd like to see it. Thank you for all the memories. From Wade Gilbert in Culpeper, Virginia. Over the years, your show has served as connective tissue between my father-in-law, Jim Owens, and I. Whether suffering through the podcast delay together, searching for your name on the WAF at Nats Park or making the pilgrimage to chatter for breakfast and then close the photo, the show has been a constant force in our lives. We also have both been on the receiving end of the eye roll from the woman to whom I'm related to by marriage when our inner little takes over. Recently, Jim had a stroke, has a long road of recovery ahead of him. I know Jim is at a rehab facility, catching up on the podcast in between physical therapy sessions. I'm hoping you and the bigs could give Jim a shout out and a hearty lichiserie to help lift his spirits as he battles forward. Since the doc told him to keep his blood pressure down, please remind him to turn the Nats games off when they go to the bullpen. Yes. Evan Wright in Fresno, California. Sorry for the late email, but on a show on, in June, I think you may have unexpectedly discovered a new segment for your show, most preferably to replace anything with Saliza. As you were fumbling through your phone trying to find whatever it was from Tracy that initiated your Revolution Toaster rant, Michael so organically and cleverly began running the play-by-play on what exactly you were doing on your phone to get what you were looking for. Pointer finger up, zoom in, type in some sort of passcode, although I don't think we should jump straight to having Michael follow you around all day doing play-by-play. We certainly could start having him cover an adventure through the L.L. Bean website, trying to order a nice jogging, rock climbing, sleeping pant, or if you're feeling extra frisky, maybe while you try to manipulate the dynamic variable lumbar support or heat and massage therapy capabilities on the next chair. Just a thought. Thanks for the laughs. Michael from Annapolis. On a Friday show, you were examining, uh, exclaiming wonder about the days on the NFL bus and looking at things of wonder like the St. Louis Arch and how and who made that. Well, the St. Louis Arch was part of a design competition in the late 40s. And the winner of the design was none other than arguably the most influential architect of the 20th century, Eero Saarinen. He beat his father out for the design. You might have heard of some of the other items he designed the TWA Flight Center, Dulles Airport, the General Motors Tech Center, the CBS Paley Building, Ingalls Rink at Yale, MIT Chapel, the John Deere Corporate Headquarters. TWA. Uh, A flight center reopened at Kennedy a little over a year and a half ago and has wonderful view of the airport, Manhattan, and the Atlantic Ocean, all up and down the rockways from the heated rooftop pool and Stellar Bar and some of the most interesting rooms I've had the experience of plopping my suitcases down into. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Isn't that nice? Um, And that's from Michael in Annapolis. Neil Tuck in Los Altos, California. What have you done to me? On a weekend with a really competitive and dramatic U.S. Open, two shocking NBA games, sevens and the celebration of fatherhood i have one care dare i say obsession would brooke 40 make it to tokyo (laughs) and for those of you scoring at home it was not as simple as your buddy pat 40 would have led us to believe mr 40 seemed to imply in his visit last week that brooke only had to finish in the top six in the 200 free to qualify not so fast my friend what he left out was that the u.s swim team can only take 26 women women and so brooke would only make the team of enough swimmers qualified in multiple events and freed up a spot for her and by coming in sixth in the 200 Brooke was the first cut if there was not a spot available. Fast forward and Brooke needed one more woman to double to make the team a feat only accomplished on the last day of the meet when Abby Weitzel qualified for her second event, saving my and Pat's Father's Day weekend with a spot for Brooke. I will sleep so much better. From Lee Gordon in West Hartford, Connecticut and Boynton Beach, Florida. Please add my affirmative vote to the presumed landslide in favor of bringing vaccinated regular guests to join you around Uncle Benny's table. And not just for the news segment, but for the whole show the way it was in the good old days. P.S. Just like Rafael Nadal, my body also speaks to me. Right now it's saying, hey, fat boy, get us some donuts. <laughs> From Timmy Seferra in Fort Mills, South Carolina. All John Rom wanted was some golf on Father's Day with his peers. But turn on the TV And his wife and baby are out there on the driving range. (laughs) Come on, man. What are we even doing out here? From Brandon Costello, singer-songwriter, Lexington, Kentucky. According to Justin Johnson from Arlington, Virginia, the average lifetime of a toaster is seven years. My question is, What are these people doing to their toasters? I've only had two toasters ever. The one my parents had, the one my wife had. And I toast a lot. I can only assume that this statistic was provided by the toaster retailers of America organization, skewing the numbers to sell more toasters. I toast. Brian Gluck. I toast. Yeah, in Newark, Delaware. Newark, Delaware. I was shocked to hear that Tony's camp counselor, Larry Brown, didn't teach Tony how to swim. Never learned how to swim. Uh, Mike in Burke, Virginia, we haven't heard from him for a while. Of all the facets of technological incompetence of which you have almost boasted, your inability to pause a television program (laughs) shines and stinks like Rotten mackerel by Moonlight. (laughs) Pause technology goes back to the VCR days, although I suppose you couldn't work one of those either. Look for the play button. Odds are there's a little button right next to it with two vertical lines, like an old quotation mark. Learn it, know it, live it. (laughs) From Jeff in Tyler, Texas. I was catching up on past podcasts this weekend. And I heard about the adventure associated with your purchase of wine glasses. As you related the story, you shared the observation that in purchasing wine glasses, the cost of the glasses should be approximately equal to the cost of the wine. Does that mean my four wine glasses should cost two ninety-six per glass <laughs> for the set of four? And from Josh Cromwell in Moselle, Mississippi. You had to ask Michael if you cursed when you left him a voicemail. I thought you were the person who endlessly pointed out that you remember what you said. Next, Wilbon will be telling us something actually surprised him. That was really... That's really nice. What is this from Colin McKinnon, Whereabouts Unknown? Oh, this is great. It's a big, long, old Lincoln Continental. (laughs) (laughs) With a sticker on the back that says Faber College, (laughs) you know? I believe this is Delta. Yeah, Delta House, yeah. Delta Tau Psi. It it looks like Flounder's car, doesn't it? It does look like Flounder's car. (laughs) Uh, One more? Yeah, one more. From Jason Slaughter in Lincoln, Nebraska. I decided to write you because, frankly, another birthday is fast approaching. This is his birthday, and that was a couple of days ago. You get so many emails of appreciation, and I will add my voice to that chorus. Oh, no, he's- No, he's got my birthday wrong. It's next week. I can't really express how many laughs, crying, and just the total satisfaction I get for listening to you all banter about what is going on in the world. I got a Tony Kornheiser t-shirt for Father's Day a couple of years ago, and I wear it at least twice a month. I do get asked, who is Tony Kornheiser on my shirt? And I happily explain, and they just walk away or look at me weirdly. (laughs) I just wanted to tell you that I look forward each week to the amazing work that you all do. I don't write jingles. I don't write any poems or anything creative to share with you. I've used a code, or two, buying from your advertisers. All I can do is say thank you. It's really nice. It's really nice. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white.
2: I'm going to
4: solve. All right. Kornokuro cabinet.
0: Mm. Now you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Dress caught my eye. spill spilled my drink. It tricks me, tricks me into the night. Now I want, want no baby. It's a problem, baby. Just wrap your arms around me. Mix it up, baby. Take a shot with me. Drink it all night long.